Welcome back to Behind the Byline, the Daily Northwestern's weekly look inside our newsroom as we interview our staffers on the key stories they're reporting on around campus and in Evanston. I'm Ryan Wangman, one of the Daily's audio editors this quarter, and I'll be your host today. For this episode, we're talking to campus reporter Pran Baskar, a first year who has been investigating the experiences of LGBTQ plus students abroad. Pran, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you, Ryan? I am. I'm very excited. You know, we're 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 getting this podcast up and running, and we are we're breaking down some some really important stories, and, and that kind of brings us to to your story, which is coming out very soon. Um, and I was just curious, you know, so you, you you've you've done a lot of research, you know, talking to to various you know LGBTQ plus students that have studied abroad, and you've talked to you know some of those ambassadors and some important university officials. So can you kind of break down this story for anybody who might not have heard it before? Yeah, sure. Um, so I mean, there's a lot to it. Um, it's hard to simplify the experiences of LGBTQ plus students. Um, to a single sentence, um, but what I will say is this. LGBTQ students face unique impediments when studying abroad that other students don't necessarily have to face. Um, this might have to do with country culture, so adapting to cultures where um, gay rights might not be as prevalent, um, and finding safe spaces in areas like this. Um, and so the story I did focused on the kinds of resources provided to students who deal with challenges of this nature, um, and also how um, some narratives of some students who have gone through the process um, and how they found it. Yeah, and so, you know, what kind of, of struggles, you know, did these students face and, and, and what kind of narratives really stuck out to you in your reporting? Yeah, I think, um, I, I think there were a lot of struggles, but I think the main one had to do with um, support and acceptance within communities where the political climate might not be so open to um, LG, the LGBTQ plus community. Um, so there are still over 70 countries where uh, homosexual m- activity between consenting adults is illegal. Um, And so that has a real implication for where students decide to study abroad and how their experiences are when they are abroad. Um, And so I talked to a lot of students who went to countries that maybe didn't have climates that were as open um, and accepting of their identities. And that forces students to have a very hard choice to choose between their identity or to choose between having a safe um, kind of like easy time abroad, um, which is a really hard um, dichotomy that some students find themselves in. And so, Parent, how, you know, how, one, for one, how do you how do you make that choice? But how also is, is Northwestern preparing its students to to have to make that choice? Because to, to me, that seems like something that that really does seem to be kind of an impossible decision to have to make. Definitely. Um, so I would say that it's hard to standardize how students make that choice, especially given the motley of factors that they have to consider when, they go, when they're going to different countries. Um, Northwestern tries to aid the process by providing students with climate notes, which are essentially catalogs of information um, about destination countries' political climate, how open they are to uh, the LGBTQ community, both legally and culturally. Um, So, I mean, students are able to go in for advising and talk about LGBTQ plus identity and what that experience is like abroad. Um, But some of the students talked to said that it's a little bit more complicated than that. Um, So there's 
some students feel that there's a disconnect between the resources that they're able to get at Northwestern and the support that they end up actually receiving um, when they're at their destination countries. Yeah, and is that that's is that something that they're able to work out while they're abroad, or is it something that they kind of have to, you know, struggle through that experience and then wait to you know get the resources they need until they come back? So, um, I, I would say that it really depends on the circumstance. Again, um, so. Um, Northwestern provides all study abroad students um, with certain health provisions and uh, packages um, for students who are traveling abroad and need it. Um, so all students have to go on GeoBlue Health Insurance, which has a zero dollar deductible, and that allows students studying abroad to access international doctors and English-speaking therapists if they need that type of support. However, again, that type of support might not necessarily be catered toward LGBTQ-identifying students, um, especially since a lot, since every Northwestern student can access that kind of support. So I know that brings up a question about what kinds of tailored specific support for the LGBTQ community Northwestern has been able to provide outside of country borders, and I think that really is at the core of this story. Um, so. Um, a lot of students I talked to, one, for example, who studied in the Dominican Republic, said that uh, even though he, even if he had known that resources like therapy existed in these countries uh, in, 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 through study abroad, he didn't know if, given his country's political climate, whether those resources would be similarly available. Um, so there's a question of how widely resourced um, the school is in terms of like providing those resources. Um, so I, I think to answer your question, right, uh, it, it really depends on the circumstance, the political climate of the country, um, and, and that really shapes the challenges that students face when, when deciding to go abroad. So yeah, just shifting a little bit kind of to the, the analysis side of the story. And I'm really interested to see, you know, just what you have to think, um, you know, on this, on this issue that's, that's obviously so, so, so vast. Um, but, but in your experiences from, from talking to, to various people who have, you know, had, had their different experiences studying abroad um, in, in this community, I'm, I'm curious, what what kinds of resources do you think would would be able to to best help them? And I know that there's not one general you know fit, but is there anything that maybe you've seen is something that people are pining for that that maybe the university should make more effort to provide? Sure, sure. Um, so to start off by answering your question, I think it's important to note that especially compared to other peer universities. And just as a university in general, Northwestern does have a pretty robust um, study abroad program, both in terms of just the options available and the resources provided to students. Um, so like I mentioned before, there are on-site therapists. Um, there are uh, Northwestern works to connect uh, students with local communities of support. So there's, there's a very long and kind of robust process that Northwestern students go through before they study abroad. I think where the discrepancy comes in is when we begin to talk about um, whether all of those resources are directly tailored to the experiences of LGBTQ plus students who want to study abroad. Um, so like, like I had mentioned before, like, like many other marginalized communities, LGBTQ students have to um, account for unique hurdles when they're choosing what countries to study abroad in. And so this includes things like the legal and cultural ramifications of being out and gay in a country that might 
not be favorable to those kinds of um, more liberal viewpoints. Um, and so in terms of like specific resources that Northwestern could provide, um, some students mentioned having a point of contact between Northwestern and uh themselves to check on them to see how they were doing, especially in countries where that kind of therapy might not be available. Um, also, uh, some sort of like legal protections or other um, built-in more like structural systems uh, that people could benefit from. But like, I also want to emphasize like there really isn't an easy solution because many of these issues with acceptance for LGBTQ rights and personhood, uh, th these are ultimately like structural problems that can't just be fixed with like uh, like providing resources to students. Like ultimately, it's my belief that like change has to come from the bottom up within these countries for students to ever feel like they're like truly able to learn safely. Um, and even then, that might not be enough. Um, so, as much as Northwestern can do. Um, I, I think there is a limit to, to how safe LGBTQ plus students can feel unless there is fundamental change within countries and viewpoints, beliefs, and like how we conceive of gender and sexual identity. And, so, and that, that kind of fundamental change isn't really something that you know, any, any university official can, can, can be in charge of is, is essentially kind of what it boils down to, um, if I understand your point correctly. Yeah, so I... I to clarify, I don't think that lets Northwestern off the hook for providing for not for not providing sufficient resources to LGBTQ students. On the contrary, I think there's a lot that Northwestern can do. But what I'm saying is that Northwestern support is ultimately only a band-aid on a much deeper, like years-long problem of like building an open, diverse international community. And I think that like that moving forward is something that we're going to continue to struggle with um, despite the fact that there's still potential for advances we can make and reforms that we can make to keep adding to the protections that we already have in place. And so just kind of on a more personal note, because again, a large point of this podcast is kind of, you know, get to know the reporters and, and really understand you know, how we do things around here at the Northwestern. So I'm just really interested, what was the process like reporting on this story, you know, how did you how did you figure out who to talk to you know just, just walk us through that a little bit yeah sure um so i started off by reaching to the undergraduate um learning abroad office and so um that was my first point of contact and so um i got to talk with um an assistant advisor there um actually an assistant director sorry um who who helped me um, kind of find other contacts to talk to. Um, and she ended up putting me in contact with two student ambassadors um, to the ULA um, who specialize in LGBTQ plus identity abroad. Um, and so um, I guess that was the general process I went through in terms of finding sources. Um, but then once I'd done that, there was another process of reporting and like actually like doing the interviews and collecting the data. And I think that was like another question um, in and of itself because um, I had to find a way to kind of balance what I was getting from the ULA, which was kind of a, a lot of resources ostensibly that the office was providing with the lived experiences of students who had been abroad. And so I think striking that balance has been the most challenging part of reporting this piece. 
Um, because, like, where do you find... How do you evaluate this, and how do you find, like, what the actual situation is in that um, case? So I, I think that is something that I had to consider. Um, that doesn't mean that, like, I don't, like, have opinions about what I think, like, following their, like, reporting process. Um, but I thought it was very interesting and very meaningful to hear people's actual experiences and also to kind of juxtapose that with the expectations of the ULA. Absolutely. And so who are the key, you know, key players in this story that you will be watching out for um, as as the story progresses, as, you know, they either, you know, make some more changes, add some more resources or, or maybe maybe nothing happens. Who knows? Yeah, I, I think the most chief player is the undergraduate learning abroad office. Um, I think, like, we should be keeping a keen eye out for um, the policies that they continue to unravel in terms of supporting um, the LGBTQ plus community abroad. Um, and I think also just keeping in mind that like we also have the ability to demand that kind of change um, from our administration. Um, so I, I think it will be helpful to watch the ULA see their next moves um, and, and see what types of change um, they're, they're going to bring, if any. And so just a final kind of question to, to wrap things up here. Uh, did anything happen while you were reporting on this story that maybe you didn't expect or that shifted your angle on the piece? I think I was kind of surprised with um, how open and liberal students were with sharing their experiences and like very vulnerable parts of their study abroad experience. Um, it was really inspiring to see the courage of students who like, uh, like, went on record like talking about how their experiences were hard, and it's especially hard since sometimes it feels like you're going against the administration. Um, and, and these are also advocates for the study abroad process. Um, so I think the thing that surprised me most was, um, or I guess inspired me most was like the courage and perseverance of students who have like gone through experiences with like this like thrived and then are like willing to make a better impact on the community by contributing stories like theirs absolutely well that just about wraps up our second episode of behind the byline print thank you so much for taking the time to to talk about your story today um and tune in next week for a new reporter a new storyline and as always your latest in top evanston and campus news thanks for listening and for the daily northwestern i'm ryan wangman Thanks for listening to Behind the Byline today. Make sure to follow us at The Daily Northwestern on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. 